Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good morning, everybody out there in your, well, I guess it's a Monday, what do we call it, a COVID world or a post-pandemic we're not quite post-pandemic folks uh we're just out here still well many of us still doing that social net uh, distancing at home however as we do about every month on the first monday of the month sean comes back and talks so is sean there today i am finally here today dave uh, well, why do you why do you say finally, Sean? What's what? I mean, why? Well, I was electronically challenged this morning. I was told by my phone that I couldn't join the podcast without uh, having a set of headphones, so I had to go in the house. And uh, luckily, my wife was here today. She's changing jobs, so she's got a couple of days off, and she had an extra set of headphones. And then turns out that my iPhone is a, is a iPhone seven. So what's wrong with that? Well, apparently he's having more technical difficulties as well because we just lost him. No, I'm back, folks. I'm back. This is tech. There, there, there you are. I was just going to say this is technology, right? I'm, I'm technically challenged this morning. I was getting a phone call also, so that was part of it. Um, <laughs> that's why I tried to do this on my iPad and figured out that I needed headphones. So I heard you just say something, Sean, that, that, that makes me uh, take pause. She's changing jobs. Yeah, they uh, Hospital Corporation of America purchased Stark, uh, Shan's Stark uh, in Stark, Florida, and they closed it down uh, and furloughed or laid off all the employees at that hospital and then immediately the next day changed the sign and had new employees there from HCA to make it a freestanding emergency room hospital. So they eliminated, I think it had, I think that hospital had uh, 30 beds or something like that, maybe 60. I don't can't remember if it was 30 or 60, but uh, it was a small hospital in a rural area, but Hospital Corporation of America, HCA, purchased it, closed it, and reopened it as a freestanding ER. And they uh, also laid off every employee that was working there previously and brought their own employees back. So, so uh, she was working there. So she was one day without a job and now she's hired by the new company or no, they didn't, they didn't hire anybody from the existing hospital. She uh, had interviewed and, and took a job with another company, uh, ironically inside of Shan's, in Gainesville, but it's a different, it's a therapeutic company within um, Shan's big hospital in Gainesville. So does this change her nursing career or, or, or what? 
No, she's a she's still an RN and a diabetes educator. Uh, just has she been, and she's also a registered case manager. So she's she's going to be a case manager for this company called Select in Gainesville now. So she basically just went to a different job doing the same thing for a different company. You know, I think it's interesting. We we ended our last podcast uh, talking about the issues of her coming home and uh, the shoes and and the floors yep. and the stuff. So. I, I I didn't know we were going to start talking about it this way, but what has changed in the last month since our last conversation? Uh, you mean as far as her, you know, the what we talked about in general about floors and san, sanitary thoughts? Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it. that's where we left it on a personal note there at home, and I think you had talked about, well, we may need to do some changing in our protocol. Has that or what? I think that, uh, well, what's changed definitely is I've gotten about five or six phone calls requesting uh, antimicrobial flooring. And, of course, that's not manufactured. So with the exception of a couple different products, for 99% of the products made in America or made anywhere else, are not. they don't kill bacteria. They may prevent bacterial fungi or microbes from growing, but it doesn't kill bacteria. And that's right, what and I think looking for. That, that you know what's interesting is, uh, is I've got some other uh, conversations to have today on on this this exact issue, but I think you've gotten the calls too from a manufacturer. So that's see we're we're all getting this. Yep. Yeah, I had someone call. Uh, I had two phone calls last week, uh, both of them from dealers where their customer had um, called and said. I need a floor that is antimicrobial. And of course I question the dealers, like, what are you looking for specifically? And they're like, well, we're looking for if they, someone were to spit on the floor, I want the floor to kill it. And I'm like, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, this is, this is exactly like I just got through with one of my students that it went uh, through a class we had on Saturday and uh, her uh, mother-in-law, was just being returned from the hospital. The mother-in-law had been in the hospital with C. diff and COVID, both. Wow. Now, you talk about that's a double whammy to live through. So right. congratulations for her for living through it. Right. Um, but then they're scared about she had these things before she left home, and the mold remediation company had come in, and on the uh, invoicing and on all the information that she sent me, it said that they went in and sprayed a disinfectant and charged her X number of dollars. And she said, what I learned in class with you is if they didn't clean, then the disinfectant didn't work. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about here, Sean. If, right. you, know, you, know, it, it, you can't have a magic bullet of a chemical that's going to do everything for you. you. People, we've got to clean. Yeah, you've got to clean the surface. You've got to scrub everything. And so what your what your customers are wanting, they don't want to do any work. They just want a magic bullet. They just want a magic bullet. They want a floor that when you spill something on it, it something jumps up out of the floor and kills the <laughs> microbe. <laughs> and you mean you, you, you Mannington doesn't have so, uh, the, this magic? Just think of what you could sell, Sean. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah I, I don't... It goes back, 
we dealt with we've dealt with this in schools for K through 12 for a long time in carpet. When we right. used to put carpet a lot in classrooms, they wanted. Uh, we I have competitors that talk about antimicrobial and we'll kill this and we'll kill that. And I had a school that I went to one time, um, and under the desks in the classroom, it was an elementary school, and they were less than fourth grade, whatever they were. And there was mushrooms growing under several of the chairs. Oh my and, gosh! Right, and so. I was called in by the school board because you, I had told them and sold them a product that had antimicrobial aspects to it. And they're like, you told us this was antimicrobial. And I said, it is. It doesn't support bacterial growth. I said, the mushrooms in that classroom are not growing on the carpet. They're growing in the carpet. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, more than likely that's urine or some other foreign substance that's in the carpet that hasn't been extracted and you've now you've got foreign bodies in there growing in the carpet on something else. In other words, if you spill milk and it molds, it'll still grow in within the carpet of the fiber, the fibers of the carpet, but it's not growing on the carpet. And they're like, well, that seems complicated. And so they did some more research and come to find out the teacher was of the belief that cleaning chemicals were bad so here we go with the cure is worse than the, the disease. She had not let the cleaning people into her classroom to clean the, the floor, the carpet. So when the kids urinated on the floor, it just stayed there. And um, that's what the, and when they turned the air off in the summertime, the uh -huh. humidity, which you need moisture in order to create molds, you need moisture, you need something for it to grow on and humidity, or that is the moisture, then that's what happened. And so we went in there and they ended up having to, they hot water extracted it and put a sanitizer in it and they didn't have the problem anymore. But that, the cure was worse than the disease in that situation. Well, you talked about a whole lot of stuff right there, Sean, that right. I want to follow up on, but I'm going to, sure. I'm going to start, I'm going to start with this first thing. You know, this is the, the, the whole issue right now with COVID and with infection prevention and stuff. And, you know, we've now taught the our infection prevention expert uh, five times now for our um, live remote. We've, uh, I think, in the month of March last month, uh, around 350 different people graduated classes with us. And we appreciate all of those folks. So if you're listening, we appreciate all of that. We're hoping that you're using that education today so that you don't do something like what Sean or you, you're not involved in what Sean just talked about. Now, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but uh, um, antimicrobial or anti antibacterial? Anti two different things. Yeah, it is what two different things, and that's. But we, in our, in my business, we talk about antimicrobial. Yeah, antibacterial doesn't have anything to do with a virus or a fungi. No. <laughs> and and she says, oh, it sounds complicated. That's what the subject is. It is not just, you know, uh, it is complicated. It is very compli complicated. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, we, like I said, we've done this five times with this class. One of the things that we found as a, a, um, a support, I guess, to what we talk about, dust. And, you know, how dust falls to the floor 
and we recirculate it and everything. Yep. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but we found uh, some Stan Channing documents, if you will, articles, you know, uh, researches, you know, that we all go by. And it said that every hour, one person stirs up 37 million into the air of these viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Did, have we spoke about the study that that was done with carpet in a patient room versus hard surface? I think we have, but I think this is, you know, it's worth redoing again here on another podcast because the one that I'm getting the biggest, I think people are understanding or getting the idea that I have to clean the hard floors, right? Right. You and I talked about this back in February when we saw this coming. Now, the other thing that I'm hearing is, oh, we got to have this big, bad disinfectant and everything. We've talked about that quite a few times. I think some people are now understanding, no, just keep it routinely clean, neutral cleaner. That's the best thing to use, especially if we're talking about LVP floors. Now, the thing here is, is I'm consistently getting this question about carpeting. And the fact that, well, all we just need to do is use a sanitizer in our extractor. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, the carpet. Let's talk this through. All right. So carpet is a filter. We all acknowledge that. That's what people complain about is carpet. I don't like carpet because it gets dirty. Well, right. most people don't like carpet because they don't clean it. So that's like me going out to work on the tractor in my barn in a long sleeve denim shirt and doing some welding and crawling around on the concrete and t leaving that shirt hung up in my barn and never washing it. And yeah, you don't sure. do that. No, not at all. Well, I was going to say, now I've been, I've been over there. We're, I want, I want to talk about your farm today a little too. But uh, I, I mean, you don't have a stand-up shirt out there, do you? No, I don't have a stand-up shirt. I wash okay. my shirts. Oh, you do. <laughs> I did have a guy I played football with, however, that left his undershirt hanging in the locker all year, and it would, you could hold it by the shoulder, and it would stand out. <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about this is not what we do with our our clothes. So we're not going to do it with the carpet, right? Exactly. So you okay. have to you have to clean the carpet. And I know you and I may differ a little bit on carpet cleaning, but the for the most part, I recommend in my experience is at least once a year, every six months. Maybe you might consider that twice a year, but one at least <laughs> one, <laughs> at least twice a year, every six months. Um, I, get, I would say once every calendar year. How about that? Um, you hot water extract the carpet in order to clean it because even if you dry chemical, there is some residue left, and that hot water extraction helps remove that dry residue. Well, the thing over. about it is, is it doesn't matter what, and I preach this all the time, and I do say preach because people tell me I do that. So, hey, okay, so right. I preach. Uh, we know that every process that we do on a carpet leaves a residue i don't care whether it's hot water extraction yeah, dry extraction right. low moisture they all do so i have no problem with wet cleaning a carpet twice a year right. i don't have a problem with that as long as you do it right now how you do it is my problem yeah the i recommend if whenever possible to use a truck mounted unit and just use water because there's typically, like you said, there's enough residue in the carpet that you don't need to use soap. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you. So we're all, we're, we're agreeing today. Okay. So, we're, agreeing. Okay. so where do we disagree at? I, I just thought you were completely against hot water extraction. No, I oh, am okay. on a routine daily basis. I don't think that the hot water or water extraction, whether it be with a truck mount or a portable is a thing to be doing on an, uh, you know, an interim thing. And I no. also think that when you do it, you need to do it right. And that's my problem with water extraction. It's not the process of water extraction, Sean. It's the people don't do it right. Exactly. It's either too much water, not enough steam, too much steam. There's a lot of factors that go into it, you know, and, and it is a very invasive thing. It's like you would want every time you wash your windows at your house, you wouldn't want to do it with a pressure washer. And that's kind of what the situation is because it eventually start leaking. And, and with it and in cleaning carpet, you're, you have the possibility of, you know, breaking down the glue, the adhesive behind it, um, you know, and messing up the, the actual construction of the product by doing it too often. Well, now, see, you're, you're, you're missing the point that I, that I preach, though. Mm-hmm. When it comes to carpet, the first thing you have to do is you have to dry extract. And that means with nothing other than a brush unit that lifts the pile, lifts the dirt, yep. and before you use your wet extractor, whatever it is, whatever chemical, whatever process, you have to remove the dry soils. And this is cleaning. The carpet has to be pre-cleaned dry before you use the wet method. And see, this is what people are not talking about doing. No, they don't do that for the most part. Well, that it, it, now, now are, are we agreeing then that the thing that we've got to do before we bring and introduce the wet process is to remove the dry soils or that mushroom wouldn't have grown if we would have removed the dry soils because there wouldn't have been an organic load there for it to grow in. Correct. No matter what the humidity was in the room, if we had removed the dry soils, which doesn't use a chemical. So back to the teacher with her, her issue with the cleaning. If the people would have just went in with a twin brush, cylindrical brush machine, that problem would never have been there. Uh, well, some of it was urine. So I don't know if it depends on the argument of how sterile urine is, but some of it was urine. Well, but see, the thing about it is, and this is what I teach in classes all the time, 80% of the soil in the carpet is dry. Correct. So if I would go through on a regular basis using nothing but the twin brush machine to remove the dry soils until there was no dry soils coming in the machine, do I really need to do the next steps? And if I did that before the water, do you see my point? Oh, yeah, you would completely clean. It would it would be a very efficient cleaning system. And so when we say we're going to go deep clean the carpet and then they talk about a sanitizer, would this not be... And, 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 hey, I'm looking for you from a manufacturer viewpoint, all right? Because I have people in class all the time go, well, that's not what the manufacturer says. Mm-hmm. Nobody is saying this is my point. Yeah, I don't want anything added back to the carpet afterwards is, my, is our position. So, so then just putting a sanitizer in my carpet extractor and running my carpet extractor over at one time 
would you say that sanitize the carpet or would you say no we didn't complete the process efficiently just doing that one thing you did not complete the process efficiently no very good i have what i wanted today i got everything i wanted out of you <laughs> because see this is the thing this is a fallacy that we have just like we have people that are going around with these foggers sprayers misters whatever you want to call them and they're walking into like i said with this lady that has the issue um, and, and, and we're just spraying it around and going, well, we, we, we disinfect it. No, you didn't. You didn't sanitize the carpet because you didn't remove the dry soil first. Right. That's making the assumption that I don't think it's I don't think that people that do that are not making an assumption about anything. They're just after the green dollar. So it's not like we're not we're arguing facts and statistics and they're not. They're all they're doing is spraying something in the air so they can get a get paid for it. And unfortunately, there's too many people out there that do this. And so then, like you said, the teacher gets a wrong impression. The school district has an impression. The school board says, well, then all we have to do is do that. And now we have this thing like, well, why can't we inject ourselves with Clorox? Right. You know, because somebody said it, all of a sudden, it, you know, and just because it's out there on YouTube or on national TV doesn't make it right. No, and you can't eat Tide Pods either. <laughs> well, they will clean you out. I'm not going <laughs> to say that it won't clean you out, you know, Sean. But whoa, uh, no, we don't. Yeah, how did Tide Pod gets into this? I, I, you know, I don't even know how that started. Kids eating Tide Pods, but those are the same kids that are probably injecting themselves with bleach. So, so back to the question I had earlier. Has your personal practices with your wife coming home and, and, and her, the environment she's in all the time, has that changed for you guys? Or, or how are you feeling as this pandemic continues to go on? I think personally, um, here where we live and in, in the, the, the area that we live, we haven't really noticed that much of a difference in the way of life that we you know, when I go to Publix, there's people there, the few people there that have masks on. But other than that, we're just moving around normally as we do. There's a little bit of, you know, social distance, oddness feeling in the way you interact with people. Her hospital, I think, um, maybe had one or two positive cases uh, that before they got sent somewhere else. But she hasn't they, they didn't really have a situation in Stark. So we haven't been overall affected with it now. I did go to a larger city this past week because I had to for work, and there was a lot more. Um, I felt a lot different in a larger city because people were acting differently than what they do here where I live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and socially, I think you're going to see this. You, you know, uh, this is this is going back to where the rural people, as yourself, are feeling much safer than us that are right in the middle of the city. Yeah, I mean, we don't, I, I'm less involved in worrying about what she brings home now because of, just because of the situation now. That may change because she's now going to be working in a larger hospital in Gainesville, Florida, that has more COVID cases uh -huh. and then start where she, there were no COVID cases. So that protocol is probably going to change. So your yeah. personal protocol at home, you're saying, you're, you, with you and your wife? 
Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to change some. Yeah, because she's could you could you ex could you let uh, the listeners know how you're going to make changes? Well, we've talked about things like uh, having her definitely undress at the back door and um, have a change of clothes there so she can change into those clothes and, and come into the house. But, you know, it, it depends on how far you want to extend it. Has, was she exposed at work to anybody? She's going to she's going to be working on a floor that is not a hospital floor. It's a company that she works for that's within the hospital. So. But she will be crossing surfaces, maybe going to the cafeteria, doing some other things within the hospital. They could possibly expose her to stuff. So do I do we have her change clothes and walk straight to the shower and take a shower every day she comes home? I don't think we'll go to that level. Um, but where do we stop at? I mean, that's my I have more questions than I have answers. I, I don't. If you had an 18-month child in your home, would you change your process? Would you rethink oh, most that? most definitely. Most definitely. Vicky, neither one of us smoke. Neither, neither one of us have any health problems. So we would, we're probably more likely to take a risk than we would if we had, like if my, my father, we went and visited my father and, and my mom, mom and dad. Mom's really healthy. Dad had a heart attack last year so he's compromised so we were very conscious around my dad you know as far as touching or handling anything just because he was there so yes if i had an 18 month old at home or a elderly parent or family member i would be a lot more conscious of you know and and i think that's the social awareness that you will see come out of all of this you know i was sure. reading something just before we got on sean that they're they're looking at now the demographics of the deaths from COVID. And I, right. I saw this post and I thought it was very, uh, very pointed and appropriate. And I hadn't actually thought of it myself. Don't know why. Uh, maybe because the, the way that the news media leads us to think. Why are we talking about all the social distancing and the nursing homes, retirement centers, skilled care that, we're, that is out there that has over 30 to 50% of the deaths are coming from these areas. Why are they the ones that are having still the difficulties getting the personnel, the education and the supplies they need? Why is it all going to the hospitals? Why isn't it going to these facilities where the deaths are coming from? Well, we're quarantining healthy people. So every, every, you know, every household in America that's being quarantined, for the most part, they're healthy. And but yeah, what are we doing at, at the nursing homes? And, and I thought that post was a very good point. Um, you provide flooring and stuff for nursing homes a, a, sure. a great deal. Sure. Yeah, I do several nursing home accounts. So you're not on the road. You're not going to see them. What are you going to think when you start going back to your clients? Well, it's all going to be a, a thing. Of oh, we lost him again. You know uh, what, folks? Since uh, I, we lost I, him, I'm I, going to take a break here. I spend a lot. Dirt, 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 dirt. I was going to continue. I, I spend a lot of time in hospitals and senior living facilities, and that's all going to be a second thought now in the back of my mind when I park in the parking lot. Do I wear a mask or do I – 
take those people and am I threatening those people's lives? And are they threatening yours? And are they threatening mine? Because it's more likely that they have, they could, they could be carrying or passing it on easier because that's what I saw a report out in New York was that 98% of the deaths were somebody or were people that had a comorbidity. And, and so when you look at this, from what I've been seeing is, is that this is almost a 50, 50 thing between the patients and the staff. Correct. So it's it's interesting as we talk about this, Sean, over my career, you know, every time that I've been in a hospital over my career, you know, working with them with supplies and, you know, and everything, the last thing I always did, and it's not just because of this here, I've did this for years. I always washed my hands as I was get as I was finished, I washed my hands and touched as little items as I could to get to my car before I left. Correct. You know, one of the, the one of the interesting things is we're talking about this, and I know we're you know we're talking floors, and I, I wanted to kind of bring this to this point in this podcast today is that I saw something from the CDC explaining how soap, basic soap, breaks down and removes COVID. And then, you, you know, you're talking about people wanting antimicrobial stuff, but yet basic soap cleaning. That's how we wash. We, we mentioned that last time. That's how we wash everything is our bodies, our clothes on a regular basis is just basic soap that cleans everything. You, so I, uh, I think that what we're learning, or at least some are learning, I, I, we're, we're still, I don't know, we're still caught up in a society that believes chemicals is the only thing to do. Um, we want chemicals. We, yeah, we want chemicals and more of them, right? More of them right. do better. Uh, and we're leaving this film of it down as we were talking earlier. You know, just soap, rinse, soap and rinse. Repeat, soap and rinse and repeat. Gee, does that remind you of something we should be doing all the time they keep telling us about? (laughs) Yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Sometimes some things are so simple, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't keep your fingers out of your mouth. (laughs) So now, now you know, hey, folks, I got to get this in. Uh, we've been talking for about a half an hour here with Sean DeVore. He's with Mannington Mills. He's a regular on our show. We appreciate Sean coming on. We are also sponsored by Jim Supply, where they have been improving lives with cleaning supplies in Central Florida. Challenged as most distributors are these days, they still are now getting back into some, well, I should say some better swing with most uh, items. Most distributors are. We're very happy to have them sponsor us and give us the ability to have these conversations. Sean, I want to talk a little bit about you and your green thumb. I guarantee yes. you what. And and I saw you had a, uh, a helper in the field. Yeah, that was uh, Tucker. He's my uh, red healer uh, dog that uh, he – had done his perimeter check that day, so he slipped up there to say hello before I. Before he saw me on my hands and knees, so he figured he needed to come 
say hello and check me out, make sure everything was all right. Okay, so folks, you're listening to a podcast and we're talking about cleaning and, and everything, and all of a sudden we ripped over onto something else. So Sean, explain to our audience, what are we talking about? Uh, talking about my garden and growing things. Well, keep on talking. Um, yeah, I grow. I've got a really good garden this year. I've got uh, Vicky and I made a point to try to be a little be self sustaining. So uh, we had done it. I've done it, grown a garden for the last couple of years, but I got more serious about it this year and uh, growing more stuff and also um, tried to be better at what I was doing. So I've got a real good friend of mine who grows. Uh, he's a farmer and farms for a living on a commercial scale. And so he's been coaching me along and it's really paid to have the right kind of advice at the right time in order to get stuff to grow. Um, so, uh, what, 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 uh, I mean, Hey, it sounds like you got a truck farm. I might need to drive up. I've got 700 or seven rows, about 75 feet long of uh, sweet corn. And I have, uh, two long rows of pickling cucumbers, two rows of squash, um, I got two, I got more potatoes and I'm going to be able to harvest. I think I've got so many potatoes and oh, I might have to come up. Yeah. And tomatoes got an herb garden. I actually made, uh, some lemon balm tea last night from a lemon balm plant that I got. That was really good. Cool. Uh, so, uh, and pe- I grew peppermint and spearmint this year as well. So it's, oh, I love peppermint. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of experiments and and uh, using different fertilizers. I've got one area of the corn that's about 20 feet long that's that was in that picture that I posted yesterday that's probably about seven foot tall. And that's where I was putting my uh, ref, or the manure from the chickens all winter uh. in that area. So there's a definite difference where you put the nitrogen from the chicken manure as to where you would use conventional fertilizer. So I did that experiment this year, and it, it, the, the growth of the corn grades off. The, the corn where I, did, I used conventional fertilizer only was, uh-huh. is only about five foot tall, whereas the other stuff where the chicken manure was is seven foot tall. You know, this is the interesting thing as you, you talk through these things. We learn things, and so you mentioned coaching by somebody that is a subject matter expert in farming. Yes. I think this is why people come to you and I when we're talking about environmental issues inside buildings. What makes that farmer that you got the information, what makes him an expert? I guess since I used to work with him when we were 12 years old in the farm, and he's still been doing it ever since we were 12. So, you know, 40 years of experience. And, and the thing and is, he things. hasn't done just the same thing. He's grew with it, but sometimes it's still the age-old thing chicken manure right right it's it goes back to basics i mean he he is excited about seeing me do experiments like that um because they can apply that to some of the things that they do i mean he's he's actually taken some of my things that i do and and put on a small scale and and experimented on a small scale with his his farm he's taken some of my horse manure compost and filled up the spreader with it and spread it on some peanuts in a small area of the field to see if there was a difference. So, and, you know, I think this is the interesting thing when we talk about these podcasts and we talk about uh, networking and communication and stuff. I think if we would slow down sometimes 
and learn from each other rather than we're the only ones and you, you got to do everything I say. I'm the only one that knows. If we would just learn from each other, many things, many things will change and, and well, be more effective. Yeah, I mean, that's – I can't remember what I heard this weekend, but it was it was basically – I referred it to my wife because it's what I run into in my job all the time, whether it's an attorney or a doctor or anybody that I run into, and I give them a recommendation on flooring on what they should use in their facility, and they are, well, I'm going to go out and get something from Lumber Liquidators or Home Depot, and I'm not discrediting those companies. I'm just – you know, those are shop at you know shop yourself places where you can go get product, and it's not necessarily as good a product as what a professional would recommend. And if you turn the tables on those people, and I go into an attorney, and the attorney tells me, "Well, you need to plead not guilty on this because I can get you off," well, and I look at him and go, ah, "I don't want to do that. I think I'm just going to put my myself on the mercy of the court and plead guilty." You know, because I'm disrespecting his professionalism and, and what he's learned over the years. And that's what I experience a lot in my business. I'm not considered to be a professional. Well, I happen to agree with you, Sean. There's a lot of times that I have the same thing. You know, people say, well, I, you know, tell me about this. What should I do? I tell them and they go, well, you know, I just want something. Then why the heck did you ask me? Exactly. You know, that's what you want to say. Of course, being professional, I can't do that. But I guarantee you that's where it really go, folks. You just heard it here. I did. I know we're recorded. You just heard me say that. So, uh, if you're one of those people, I apologize right now. But that's what goes through our mind because why are you asking advice from us if you don't want the advice? I'm working on a project right now for it's a personal situation with a commercial building, and I gave advice. Uh, of people that I've known for a very long time and they didn't take my advice. They didn't heed my advice. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And the, the person that they came in to do a, a poured floor, I had recommended someone else and a different type of poured floor to do for the area. That person that came in said, Oh, by the way, uh, that carpet you're buying is way too expensive. I can get you cheaper product. And the, People that I'm dealing with actually come to me and ask me, well, he says he can get cheaper carpet. I said, you do realize that he's buying it from somebody like me and putting a mark on it and then selling it to you, right? And they're like, well, I guess, but he said he can still get it cheaper. I said, then you don't understand the situation you're in. I'm providing you the proper product, mill direct as a favor. There's no markup in it at all. It's, it's, so you're getting a better product for a little bit more money and he's going to buy extremely cheap product, put profit on it, turn around and sell it to you. So what are you getting for that price? Right. And why are we having this discussion? Yeah, why are we having the discussion at all? <laughs> you know, exactly. I, 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 and, and Sean, this is you, you get caught in the very same thing I do. I got through yeah. with a whole class seven hours long on Saturday. Now, now, now think about this. You know, here I am on a Saturday providing a seven hour class. Right. And I come to the end of it. And my belief is in, in the, especially in this time that we're finding ourselves in right now with COVID and the, in the pandemic, if you can't monitor and measure the outcome on the surfaces that you are providing a service on, then how can you validate or verify that what you did 
is healthy or effective. You know, it's just like we were talking, just because somebody uses disinfectant in the air, does that mean that they accomplish a task? I don't know. Neither do they. They don't. And so my point was at the end of this to buy an ATP meter, invest in the swabs, and do measurements of the outcome before and after. This is the way you validate that. So if I were charging for a service, personally for me, that's the way I would validate that my service was effective and thus is the reason you should pay the price I charge. But yet here at the end of the day, they are complaining about the price of the unit. Right. And I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. You wanted to know, you came and you spent seven hours, but yet all you want to do is complain about the price being too expensive compared to what? You know, the thing is, is it's like, all right, if you're going to do the work, use the right tools, use the right stuff. The outcome is what you're being paid to, to get. And so I always tell people in my classes, it's an investment in you making money if you're a contractor, okay? So you, you should be trying to get the best for your service, but it's not a cost. It's, the question is, how much money is that going to make me? Not how much is it going to cost? Right. And we have been, I, I think what we're going to see too in the industry, tell me if you feel I'm wrong, we're going to see a change in this mentality. It will still exist, but I think we're going to see less of it. I think a lot of that's going to change because it, it goes all the way back also to products. You know, where, where this disease supposedly emanated from manufactures a lot of our products here in the United States, which cost less money and is less labor to manufacture. And that's why it was all sent over there to be made to China. So now are we going to be consciously making a decision to buy things that are made here in the U.S. that follow U.S. regulations and we know how it was made because there is the regulations. I think we're going to see some of that too. And Well, I can tell you I have already started to look at where things are made that I purchase. Oh, I, I my wife and I, we've done that for a long time. We had boycotted uh, one of the big box stores for a long time. We don't, we don't go there anymore because simply because everything you pick up in there, you turn it over. It's made in China. And we chose not to go there anymore. And we found other places to shop. And I think that these are the choices that we can make. So not only are we going to have the social distancing, the wearing the mask, wearing gloves, whatever. I think that these personal choices we make are going to be different than we have seen before. Yeah. I mean, I I would like to see some of the major companies like, you know, Amazon have a, a, a separate listing. If I want to buy stuff only made in America, I can click a button and that's all that pops up on my list. Well, you know, I, you know, and you bring up a good point. Why don't, why don't we have uh, the availability to see a substitute? So we, we pull up a product, we like it, and then we can actually see where it's made. And here's a substitute if you would like. Exactly. You know, is this a social responsibility of, you know, distribute distribution of manufacturers, um, you know, your product is made here in the U.S., correct? Yes, it is. So, you know, folks, if you're listening to our podcast, either live to this afternoon or in our recording, Mannington Mills is a U.S.-made product. Yeah, we manuf- about, I, I would say 99 and 
some odd percentage of our stuff's made here in the U.S. We do source some particular colors and some particular product from other countries, but that's just simply because we don't have the manufacturing capability to, to make it here. But almost there is no way you, there's nothing you cannot buy from us that's not made in America. So if you want American made product, we have plenty of products to service every need you have. Well, you know, it's interesting as you say, as we talk about this here at the end of our podcast this, this morning is that I now have started putting on all of the Academy's information made in the USA. Yes. You know, we're here. We produce our education here. We educate from here. We broadcast remotely from our studios in uh, Side Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. And I, I think that uh, if we are, we should be proud of that fact. Yeah, there's no apologies necessary for apologizing to anybody else for what we do here in America. It's not tribalism or nationalism. It's just being an American. You're from somewhere. It's how we put on our clothes in the morning. It's how we do our things. It's how we're raised. It's how we're socialized. It's just a way to be. Well, Sean, an hour goes by fairly quickly when you and I sit and talk. Yes, it does. You know and what? I'm going to have to make a drive. You know, I, I've been sequestered to my home for a while. Although I will tell folks, I, I'm kind of enjoying a week here. I hate to say it this way, but I have no classes scheduled this week because I've just got to take a little bit of time. Uh, it's been uh, about uh, 10 weeks solid for me. We, we really appreciate the fact that you have been coming to our classes, whether it be our live remote or our online classes, and we will continue to do so. We've got more classes scheduled for the month of May and June, and we'll be going into July and August. As more and more locations are opening up, the questions and the requirements of our frontline workers, you know, our first responders to cleaning, uh, as I like to say. John, any uh, parting words from, from you over there before we let you go? No, just uh, stay true to yourself and do what's right and protect your family as you see fit, and we'll get through this. And I think that's that's the way we got to do it. And, and if you can be more sustainable and self-motivated, self, uh, then please do it. Well, you're, you're taking that sustainability and self-reliance uh, to a level that I wish I could follow, but can't from where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we, you have to make, we made, this journey started some time ago for us. So we've decided to move to a rural area and, and we've slowly become more and more sustainable as we, as we've went forward. So it's just been something we've done. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'm sure the two of you are enjoying it too. Oh, we are. It's a lot of work, but we enjoy it. So uh, you want to give some informa uh, information so people can get hold of you if they want to? Sure. My name is Sean, S-E-A-N, DeVore, D-E-V as in Victor, O-R-E. My company name is Mannington Commercial, and we supply all types of manufactured flooring for commercial environments, from hospital operating rooms to K-12 through classrooms. Please feel free to call me at 352-630-9884. Thank you very much for you guys listening to us today and uh, join us next month. And we'll do that. Now, folks, you've been listening to us here on Podbean Live this morning. We've been doing some uh, in the afternoons. We've been doing some in the mornings. This is my podcast week, so I've got several scheduled for this week. Actually, we're going to be talking with a gentleman from the United Kingdom is going to come and talk with us, uh, I believe, on Thursday. 
Uh, we'll be doing that live in at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. And we have another one that's going to be four o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. We're going to be talking with a doctor in Australia uh, about what's going on in his country with this and how it's affecting and some of his advice. We've got a couple of other people that are going to be coming on. Uh, I believe it's Wednesday morning. We've got uh, Steve Hansen. He's with a janitorial store up in Michigan, mainly deals with residential cleaning, of which the academy doesn't. And so we've kind of started a little bit of a partnering with them to help more people. So as I said, uh, stay tuned to the live channel. We're going to be doing it all week, different podcasts, different times of the day and afternoon. Sean, appreciate you being on. Stay safe out there. All right. Appreciate it, Dave. Talk to you soon. Folks, whatever you do between the time that we talk to you now and the next time, make sure that it is healthy, positive, and proactive. We're out of here for today.